Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Second Corinthians 8, 10, and 12. We're just going to get into this Word. Praise God. Uh, <laughs> I might preach this, but I just want to share something before. I'm just give a warning before I get into the word, if that's okay. All right, you guys ready for this? Okay. You know, if you don't chastise your children, the Bible says you don't love them. It says you hate them. Yes. Now, let me get something correct for you. You know, uh, chastisement isn't always spanking, but chastisement is correcting. You know, chastisement really is encouraging. It may not be encouraged, encouraging for the person getting chastised, but eventually it encourages them. My children were, they were chastised. I encouraged them. Sometimes it was a pat on the back. Sometimes it was a pat on the behind, right? I, either way, it was encouraging them to do good. And the Bible says that God chastises those whom he loves. So if he loves you, guess what he's going to do? He's going to chastise you, right? And, and I just want to share something with you guys and some of you guys with these funny beliefs about the Lord, he'll chastise me when he speaks to me through his spirit and his word. No, he doesn't work that way all the time. He will send prophets and people of God to come speak to you, to prophesy and share his word with you to bring you back into correction. Amen. And today is one of those days. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. After today, if you guys, once we're done with the chastising, you guys go, <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> you can go home and go sleep. Wake up. I remember last time my dad spanked me. He loved me. He hated to do it, but he made sure it was going to be the last time he whooped me. He's like, look, I'm going to whoop you so bad that you're not going to want to get whooped by me again. And it worked. I'm just telling you. I, I, I started speaking with, a, with a, a British accent and everything. I was like, hello, Father. I'm so sorry. I don't know it came over me today. I'm just going to go yonder to my room and do some chores. Thank you, Father. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 8. <laughs> It's funny because after he, after he spanked me, it was daytime. I think it was daytime when he spanked me. By the time I woke up from it, it was, it was night. Everybody was asleep. And I was still doing it. When I woke up, I was like. <laughs> Lights was out. It was, it was, okay, anyway. 2 Corinthians 8, 10, 12. Y'all ready? I'm reading from the message. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along. You've got what it takes to finish up, so let's get to it. Amen. Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, and it says, this is what I think. Let me give you some advice. He was the father of the churches of Corinth. 
He was the apostle to the church. He was the man of God that God had ordained to speak life, to, to use scripture for correction. And, and, and he used it. And he says, listen, this is what I think. And I'm going to tell you what I think. The best thing for you, not for me, but the best thing for you right now is to finish what you started last year. Get back to doing what you started. Tienes lo que se necesita para terminar, así que vamos. Here's an important truth, saints. It isn't how you start that's important. No es tan importante como comienza. It's not how you finish. No es como terminas. But it's if you finish. Pero si terminas. Here's, here's what I want you guys to understand. Finish what you started. Termina lo que comenzaste. Now listen. Deja de dejar las cosas inconclusa. Stop leaving things unfinished. Just stop. So many of us in here right now are looking forward to the next season and next project in our lives without finishing the season that we're in now. We're trying to look forward to the next good thing and not finish the good thing we're in right now. I know you're all excited about what God's going to do this year. Who's excited about what God's going to do this year? Is anybody in here excited? They're looking towards the future. And I know that Paul says, I forget those things are which behind me. And I press forward to the higher calling of Christ Jesus in my life. Yes, I understand the scripture. But when Paul was speaking of that, Paul was speaking, I finished my last assignment and I forgot about that. And I'm going to push forward to my next assignment. But some of us in here keep pushing forward without finishing finishing what we started the last time. We're so excited about what God is going to do instead of being excited about what God is doing now. I can't wait what God's going to do. When you, what is God doing now? Speaking of what God is doing now, you guys look around and you see the church. You see what's happening. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, praise God. I know it's beautiful and I think it's great and and, and I, I thank God for it. And I remember the vision over, over a year ago in September 2018. We did a vision casting and we talked about what was going to happen. And, and this is the plan that God has for us, the vision of God for the building Christian fellowship, not just for the pastors, but for all of us. And, and you see how God showed us everything. And we get to a point that we're so busy looking forward to what's going to happen that we forgot what's happening now. We forgot about about the process. We want to abandon the process and jump to the finish line without even running the race. You want to get right at the start, the gun goes off, and then you go, okay, I'm finished. And it's happened even with this church is, is there people were coming in. We got excited and, 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 and we seen everything that was happening, but this is the problem. When you get the vision, it's glorious. We see the glory. We see us standing on the mountaintop, and we're looking down. We see ourselves soaring as the eagle, and we're looking all over the place, and that's the vision that God gives us. He gives us the finished work, but we don't see all the trouble and pain that it took us to get there. I wish I had a witness. 
See, when God gives us a vision, he gives us, it gives it to us in its entirety. We see it in its success. We see it in its finished glory. But what we don't see is the pressure, the problems, and the pain it takes to even get there. I wish I had a few honest people in here that know about starting something you wish you never got yourself into. Oh, hallelujah. So don't, don't, don't start jumping up like, Yes, I know. I understand. I, you can get up and start running because there's some people in here right now that got yourself into something. You done promised somebody you was going to help them move. And then you showed up and, and they said, only take a couple hours. You was there for three days. You didn't eat. They didn't feed you. They wasn't even packed. They didn't even rent the truck. But guess what? You said you was going to be there and you got to be there. Mm-hmm. So many of us see the, the benefits of the finish line, but we don't see the work that it takes to get there. This is a big problem we have here in church, saints. Big problem. So many of us saints, we get led by our emotions because a pastor gets up here and preach. He makes you laugh, and, you know, he, he does all these things, and he, I can cast vision because that's what I do. I'm an eye, you guys. I can cast vision, and, and when I cast vision, people get excited. Yes, I want to be there. I want to be a part of this. I wanna, and then as we start working towards the vision, you're all emotional about it. I want to be in there. Yes, I'm going to promise to give. I'm going to promise to sow into it till it's done. I'm, I promise to work. I promise to be there. But then guess what? After you realize that it doesn't take three days to finish, it, and once you get to a year that goes by, then where do you go? I'm just going to preach to you right now. Just I'm going to preach to you right now. So many of us get to these places in our lives that we get excited about something because it takes so long, we don't want to finish it. We just quit right in the middle of it. Oh, I don't need to talk about diets. Don't, don't, oh, yeah. Yeah, you saw yourself in a size three. You just knew, oh, I'm going to be a size three. I'm a size 14 now, but I was a three back when I was in high school. I'm going to get back to a three, and you all good. And then next thing you know, you start the gym because it's new year. Got the discount. How many had the discount? The special, special discount. Beginning of the year. Come on in. Join. Yes, yeah, sign the paperwork. Watch this. And when you sign the paperwork, you didn't care. You didn't even read it. And it told you that you got to be committed to this gym this workout program for a year, and guess what? Even if you don't show up, you still got to pay. But anyway, you all for it, because I'm, I'm going to wear a size three. After the third day of working out and dieting, and you get on the scale, and it ain't moved, you get discouraged and quit. People telling you, people trying to pat you on the back and get you to go. You still, you just discouraged. You got people around you shouting. But because of the work, because of the pain, because of the pressure, you just want to quit and you won't finish what you started. This is a problem in church because you didn't see all the work. You didn't realize that after you got off of work, you had to show up and start doing things. You didn't realize when you said you was going to serve in that ministry that these kids they ain't got no home training. You, you didn't realize that when you was going to say you was on the, on, the, on the cleanup team that people don't even treat the bathrooms here at, at church better than they do at their own home. You didn't realize that that men have such bad aims. Can I get an amen? You didn't understand all this when you first joined, and then when you start seeing the problems, you say, I'm cool, I'm done, and you forget about your commitment. What you mean we got another meeting? I just was in church for two hours. Now we got a meeting? I'm hungry. 
Stomach speaking in tongues. The problem here in church is when the saints allow their own problems to stop their commitment. They fall off. It's what we do. We fall off. We got people, I'm, I'm just being honest with you, and I'm telling you this as a pastor. I'm telling you this. If I was the CEO of a company that you guys now work for, and I stood up here and say, look, in order for us to be successful and in the Fortune 500 businesses, we're going to need more commitment from you. We're going to need you to do a little extra. You guys would be like, yeah, yeah, Fortune 500. But when it comes down to the souls, uh, salvation of our souls and serving our God, our creator, when somebody comes up and stands and tells you uh, your behavior, we get offended. Well, you go, well, you know why? Because I'm not getting paid. I'm a volunteer. I'm here volunteering. And that's the problem. I didn't even see the word volunteer in the Bible. You're trying to be something in church that ain't even biblical. You can go volunteer at the YMCA. You can volunteer to feed the hungry. When you come in the house of God, you're a servant. And a servant is a slave. You ain't a slave to me. Don't get me wrong. I am not your slave. I am not your master. We serve the master. And it is spelled out specifically in the Bible how we are to serve God with all our mind, all our heart, and all our strength. And we come in with this volunteer attitude like, I ain't getting paid. That's why the Bible is so specific. Everything you do, do as unto the Lord. Not do as unto Pastor John or Pastor Kai or, or any of our other pastors. You're doing it as unto the Lord. Mm. So what we end up doing is we allow our issues because I know you get off work. I know you guys are working. Some of you guys commute and you come off work, but you had a commitment. You said you was going to do something. So because you said you were going to do something, somebody's depending upon you. And it's not just the person that's the leader of, of the ministry. It's the people that are going to be involved because guess what? Nobody in here wants to, I'm going to say right now, I just need an amen once I'm done because I know you're an amen. Nobody wants to use a nasty, dirty bathroom. And guess what? People will stop coming to church because the bathroom's nasty. Ron that a little bit further because people don't show up to clean the bathrooms. People don't like to come to the places with dirty bathrooms, so they don't show up. So who's the blame? So maybe, maybe let's let's think of this. It's not it's, it's not in the Bible. It's not specific, but. If you've committed to doing something, the Bible says keep your word. And because you wouldn't keep your word, it stopped people from coming to church. Maybe it stopped somebody from hearing the word of God. Who's going to stand before the Lord for that one? I think what you should do now is finish what you started. Matthew chapter 7, verse 26 through 27. And it reads, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house on the sand and it and it and the rain and the rain fell and the floods and the torrents came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great and complete was its fall somebody say count the cost mm -hmm. listen i don't mind no just don't tell me yes and not show up do you guys feel the same way 
when you, you, you somebody coming to pick you up and they don't show up. Now I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just want to share something with you. This is one of the reasons. Look, look, if you tell me yes, I need you to count the cost first. So, so if I come to you and say, hey, look, um, our, our Rio comes to you and says, we really need people, um, qualified people to work in the children's department. And you go, I'll do it. It's not good. Thank you for your willingness. Let me give you some instruction. Wow, I'm really interested in that, Rio. What commitment does that mean of me? How long will I do it? How many Sundays? What does it look like to serve in there? You ask questions. That means you're counting the cost before you give your yes. Because once you give your yes, you can't take it back. Why? Because when Jesus said yes, he doesn't take his word back. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. What he said, so it shall come to pass. And if we are Christians, which means we're Christ-like, what we should say, what we say should come to pass. So if I say I'm going to be there, I should be there come hell or high water. I should do everything. Well, Pastor, what if an emergency happened? That is an anomaly. I'm not going to base this whole situation on something that might happen. I'm going to base it on what usually happens. I was late. I was, I was coming home down the freeway. I was stressed out at work, and I just didn't feel like being at church. Listen, the Bible says this. Jesus said, follow me. And then when he said, follow me, he turned around and said, let me tell you what it means to follow me. If any man should follow me or if any man does follow me, guess what he's have to do? He has to first deny him. You got to deny yourself. Yeah, I know you're hungry. Yeah, I know you're tired. Yeah, I know you had a bad day at work. But you know what? If I woke up this morning and I was tired, Sick, headache, I can't just go, you know what, I just don't feel like going, I'm not going to go. You guys would show up here and just the music would be going and afterwards they'd be like, thank you, God bless you, have a good day. And you just guys got a free concert. It's not what church is about. Church is about denying yourself. Amen. The Bible says in Luke 14, 28, it says this, for which are you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it began to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So you know what? When you don't show up, when you say, yes, I'm going to do something and don't show up, people see that. And they're gonna make you're, you're, they're gonna mock you. They're gonna make fun of you. Let me just help you out. How many? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. This is like a hypothetical question. Okay. How many people got saved? And I'm t especially you teenagers. You get saved. You're on fire. You went to the last the last conference. You got saved. God moved in your life. You got emotional. You cried in front of people, but you like gave your life to Christ. You was on fire. And then three weeks later, you're back at school and you ain't saved anymore. But you told everybody you were saved. You know your friends are talking bad about you. Yeah, remember last week he saved? Watch this. Hey, you want to hit this? Ah, great is your fall. You didn't count the cost. Yes, 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 yes. Finish what you started. Let me help you guys out. Here, okay, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be so hard on you guys right now. Just listen. Okay. I'm not going to toot my own horn. Let me tell you, let me tell you how committed, because I know my yes means yes. Can I just share this with you? I'm just going to share it with you, too. They can listen in if they want to, okay? Can I, 
I'm just going to share it with you guys. All right. So um, one time I was like really sick, real sick on a Saturday night. So sick. Sick. Looked like a fountain. Both ends. Could have been. Okay. Get it? I'm not talking to y'all. Talking. So, okay. Guys, she's like, oh, my gosh. Sick. But I know how to be a church preach. I had a word that I knew had to go out to our church. I knew it was one of those times where the Lord just, I mean, a wrathful God had this word. It was, it was a fire. I knew I had to give it. I couldn't get anybody else to preach it because the word that God gave me, it was, it was a burden. And I was sick. I had a great excuse not to come to church. People would understand. When you understand if somebody's sick, right? You know what I did? I said, no, Lord, I'm going to go. And if I got to pass out on stage, I'm going to pass out on stage. So I went and bought some Depends and put them on and came and preached the word because I was committed. I'm just sharing that with you. I'm just talking about excuses because people come up with excuses all the time. I'm saying it because you guys are the head of ministries and you, and you hear these, all the, you know, I'm sick. Go buy some Depends. Don't, don't. I'm not asking y'all to do it. I just wanted to tell the story. If it's that bad, stay at home. We understand. Well, we send the word, Jesus, and they are healed. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank you for a firmament in their body. Hallelujah. Listen, the other part of the unfinished work, it comes with our salvation, okay? Because sometimes we think that being saved, I, I came up here and I confessed all my sins. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I started the race. I'm done. I ain't got to do anything else. Hello, newsflash. You ain't saved. Just because you come up here and repeat something that I say, because I can look at you right now and go, somebody, watch this. Somebody say, finish what you started. Does, does that mean you're going to finish what you started? No. It's the same thing when I say, say, okay, Lord, uh, I, I receive you into my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Uh, I'm born again. I'm born again. You know who does that? Birds. Parrots can repeat what I say, but does that make the parrot saved? It's not about all what you say because that confession should be made from out of your heart and a desire that I need you, Lord. And when you have a desire, then that's going to come out of your mouth because out of the mouth proceeds the issues of the heart. So me just praying with you is just you're repeating, but it's already in your heart. And then from there, we're going to see some fruits of that repentance. But so many of us believe that once we give our lives to Christ, we think that we're saved and the race is over. Listen, the Christian life isn't a sprint. It's a marathon, and I hate running. Salvation is just the beginning. It's the starting line. It's the, it's the place where you say, get ready, get set, go. Boom, the gun goes off. Salvation is the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Jesus that continues into eternity. Jesus made it possible for us to have relationship with the Father, the Christian life isn't about a set of rules and regulations. The Christian life isn't about stuffing facts and information into your mind. Oh, I need to know all the Bible. That's not what being a Christian about. The Christian life is learning to love Jesus more and more each day. To love him, to become like him, and to live like him. That's what it's all about. So many of us think that once we just give this, this confession that we're done. No, it's about walking with him. It's the beginning of the race. 
Romans 12 and 1 says this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, going to work, and walking around in life and place it before God as an offering. So everything you do, you do as unto God. No matter where you're at, if you're here, then when you're serving, you're not doing it because, oh, that's my Christian duty. No, I'm doing it because I want to please the Lord. I'm serving God because he served me. Just because you started the race well doesn't mean you're going to finish well. Which brings me to a story. This last story, I think. Amen. How many guys, you guys don't know this, but when I was younger, I was fast. I mean, like running. Run. Fast. I ran track. I was good. I was faster than everybody else. It was fast. So I was in sixth grade. And this guy, his coach, saw me running. He was like, you're fast. He says, hey, butcher, how about running for your school, school track team? Yeah, I'm fast. Run. He says, okay. Give me a uniform, put on a shirt. So the next day we go out. I didn't have to practice because I'm fast. Did I say it was fast? Anyway, we get in this race, and I'm looking around. So we go to Rockville Park. Got all these people standing around me. Guy standing in front of me, grown up. I'm looking around at everybody like, <laughs> I'm fast. You ain't going to beat me. So we get ready. And I was, I was trying to figure out why everybody was doing this. They were starting like this. I got down on the ground, get ready to run. I say, ready, set, pow. Gun goes off. I take off. I'm running. I'm leaving the pack. Pack is falling behind me because I'm smoking. I'm fast. The dude that's showing us the direction to run, I pass him. Oh, man, I'm going to win this easy. It's not a problem. I'm coming first, man. I'm going to do this. Everybody's going to see me. I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. The problem was nobody told me that it wasn't a sprint. It was cross country. Yeah. So after about 150 meters, 150 yards, whatever, I, I, I started to get tired. You know, slowing down. I'm like, okay, I built up enough lead, so I'm out in front of everybody else. I'm still running, but then the pain set in. And there's this thing, I don't know if you guys know, it's called rigor mortis that happens. It just hits in. It hits, like, right here first, and then you, you're running and make a long. This is a true story, you guys. It's a true story. I'm not making this up. So my parents were sitting there watching me, and in, in Rockville Park, you know, there's hills, and the trail goes around. And I remember the guy that, <laughs> the guy that I passed up earlier, he runs by me. He's like... He runs by me, and, and I'm walking. I'm like, <gasps> and of course, you put a little sauce on it because you're embarrassed. You're like, <gasps> Crowd catches up to me, and they keep going. They get past me, and my mom and them are sitting there watching. They saw me taking off running as they'll tell you the story, and they were like, look at my son go. He's just going. He's, my son's so fast. He's just going, and 
then they come around the corner. And because you started out so strong, everybody's looking for you at the finish. So everybody's looking and they see, but they're like, where is that light-skinned boy with the jerry curl at? It, he started out so well. And he come around the corner and everybody finished. So they're sitting waiting. Then all of a sudden, they turn and look this way. Not even on the racetrack. Here I come over the hill. My parents are looking at me like, hopefully you caught the analogy. See, some of us start out good, and we're running this race. And, and unfortunately, we start out so good that we feel like we can pass the leaders that are trying to show us the way that have been down that road. And we're like, oh, we don't need you. I know how to get there. So we leave our leaders behind. And eventually, we get so tired because we didn't count the cost. We didn't pace ourselves, and we lose. And then everybody else starts passing us up. And here's the problem. We get so tired. We get so ashamed. We get so embarrassed. I could have finished the race. But I was so embarrassed, I was so full of shame that I quit. And as I began to walk over that mountain, and listen, the great cloud of witnesses, those that were in the race, those that were watching that have done it before, were waiting for me to finish. They were rooting for me to finish, and they saw me walking over the hill full of shame because I quit the race. And that's what's going to happen to some of us that quit serving God that quit on our, our walk of, of salvation is that one day we will stand before the Lord. Jesus bore the shame, but because we didn't receive him and because we quit before we finished, we're going to bear the shame, stand before our God with our head down, and he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. You did not finish this race. You did not run the course. You are not ready to be offered up as a living sacrifice. Finish what you started. When we surrender our lives to Christ, this is when he begins to start a good work in us. And I think a better term for that is conforming into the image of Christ. You're not going to go, I'm saved now. And then the next thing you know, you're walking around holy and you just can, you know, you talk to things and they come alive. You're casting out demons. You no longer cuss. Your teeth grow back. You know, the ones you're missing. That doesn't happen. There's a thing that's called a process, and all of us want to skip that process. We start off really good, but the pain of the progress gets too much for us, and then we quit. As God begins the process of perfecting us into his image, sometimes the pain becomes so great that we stop the process and we ask God, listen, for something new. Some of us in here sat down and our dreams were, you know what? I want to be a surgeon. And then you go, oh, it's kind of hard. Okay, I'll just be a doctor. Oh, that was a little bit hard. I didn't know I had that much school. Okay, I'm going to be a nurse. All right, be an RN. Uh, oh, no, okay, okay, I'll be a nurse's assistant. Oh, no, that's a little bit. I'll be an LVN. Oh, no, I can't do that. Okay, I'm just, I'm just going to um, work at the hospital handing out supplies. All jobs are honorable, but God gave you that vision to be a surgeon. 
But when you start seeing the trouble, the work, and all that it takes to become a surgeon, we don't want to finish what we started. And we'll settle for less. Our scripture says it. It says the best thing we can do is finish what we started. We can't start on something new until you finish what you've already started. And the reason why we don't finish what we started is because of this. We don't have a vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But they that keep the law happy is he. We need to start writing some of these visions down that we get. Because when we get discouraged, we can go back and read it. When you said, when, when God said, you're going to start this business and nobody's, nobody's doing nothing, you're not getting any customers or anything like that, you said, I'm just going to give this up, forget it, I don't want to work anymore. You need to go back to that vision and God says, listen, you, you know, remember, this is what I want to do. God, I want to be a businessman. I want to be able to help support the church and the mission and the vision of the church. I'm going to be so uh, prosperous in my business that in, when somebody, when, when pastor needs something or our church needs something, I'll be able to finance it so they won't have any lack and they won't have to go without. That's my vision. And I know it's hard right now, but God, this is what you gave to me in my heart. I'm going to stick with it and I'm going to finish it. But if it's not written down, guess what happens? You don't know what to do. You don't remember your dreams. This is the same thing with our marriages. People don't write down a vision for their marriage. Some of you are like, man, that's, that's a good idea. You know what? This is what happens. This is, this is our society today. We get married and you go, hey, you know, if it doesn't work, we can always get a divorce. But we are a people of covenant and commitment. When I enter into a commitment with my wife, the vision is this. I sit down and, and it's written down. It's not just written down on paper. It's written down on my heart because I say, God, this is what I want. Lord, I want to love my wife as you love, as you love the church. I want to I serve her. I want to submit to her. I want to um, uh, be uh, long-suffering, patient, kind, uh, with meekness and gentleness. gentleness. I want to love her and forgive her the way that you've done me. And see, when there's times that me and my wife are going through some rough points in our life, I don't sit down and go, man, I can't stand her. I want to get away with her. I run back to the vision and I read the vision and the vision reminds me so that when I read it, it says, write the vision down, make it plain. So they that read it can run with it. But if we don't have it written down, we'll quit. And we will never finish. And guess what happens? You, your first marriage didn't work. Your first relationship didn't work. You know what happens? You step into another one. No vision. It's going to perish. Hope I'm helping some of you singles out. Just going and just looking for, looking for love in all the wrong places. Listen, when God created you, he created a masterpiece. It's one of just, I'm just, I'm, you know, after beating you, it's one of those talks. You know, your parents spank you and they're like, look, I love you. You know I love you. That's what I'm doing right now. God created you a masterpiece. He loves you. God doesn't make mistakes. I don't care how big you are, how skinny, how uh, whatever. God doesn't make mistakes. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. He made you. The Bible, is, this is scripture. He doesn't make mistakes. You are a masterpiece. Listen, the Bible says, 
I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How marvelous are thy works, O Lord. Lord, when you made me, you made a masterpiece. Some of y'all need to be telling yourselves that. I am a masterpiece. I am a work of the Lord, and God doesn't make mistakes. You have to understand, an artist is able to see the finished work before he starts. A painter has a blank canvas, but he knows what he wants to put on that canvas. He has to see it before he does it. Amen. As I close, you guys know what Mount Rushmore is? Anybody know Mount Rushmore? It's in South Dakota. It's this big mountain, and it has four presidents on there, four of our past presidents on there, and, and it's cut and carved out of stone. Now, mind you, we see the finished work. Generations later, because of somebody else's labor and toil, because they didn't quit, because they finished what they started, we get to enjoy their labor. Uh, I'm going to come back to that. There's a man named Gutzon, uh, Gutzon Borglum and his son Lincoln. They saw this mountain, and they got a vision of putting four of the greatest presidents at the time on, on the mountain. Now, as they began their work, and they started this work, the father started the work, and as he started the work, he, he, he ran into some problems. He ran into some pressures and some problems and some hard times. Some of the stuff he did, actually, one of the faces that he was doing as he was blowing up the, the stone, it blew up and, and messed up the whole project, one side of the project. He should have quit. He could have actually went to another church, I mean, I'm sorry, another mountain, and started his work there, but he said, no, I'm committed to this mountain. And as he was committed to the mountain, he just went back to his vision, his plans, and he made some changes. So he made the change, and he went, and he started working on it and working on it. This man, since October 4th, 1927, is when he started, and it finished in October 31st, 1941. The hard part about it was the dad wasn't the one that finished the work. It was his son. So what he started and didn't quit, his son saw the example in his father and followed in his father's footsteps. I'm here to tell you, if you got kids in here that quit a lot of stuff, maybe because it's your example. His son, Lincoln, finished his father's work. And because his son finished his father's work, their children, their grandchildren, and their great-great-grandchildren get to enjoy the labor of their hands. There are some things that are going on right now here in your life that, listen, it's not about what you want for you. It's about for the generations to come. There's some things that you're doing now that you'll never get to finish. But because you worked and you labored and you stuck it through, your children are going to pick up where you left off and finish the work that God gave you. Did you guys know that David wanted to build the temple? Watch this. David wanted to build the temple, but God told him, no, you can't build it. Let me, you know what most of us would do? <laughs> okay, well, if I can't build it, God, okay, I ain't, I'm, I'm cool. David said, all right, God. You said, I, I, I can't build it, but it doesn't mean I can't help. So you know what he did for his son? He went and got all the supplies. 
He gathered them so that his son didn't have to do it. He says, I'm still going to do it. I may not get the glory for it. I may not be known for building the house, but guess what? My God will know that I helped build this house and that this isn't just for me. This is for my God. That generations to come will come worship at this temple. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about making sure that I started and I finish my part. work was carried to completion by the son. The son completed the work. Somebody got it. The son of God said it is finished. He came and started a work of salvation for us so that we didn't have to slaughter and kill any more animals. He came and when he hung his head, he said it is finished because what I started I will finish. And the reason why he was able to finish, because you guys know he didn't want to do it. Did you guys know that? You know he didn't want to do it? I'm going to tell you. Where did he go? He's like, my soul is vexed unto death. I preached this last week. My soul is vexed. That means I'm, I'm, so much under, I'm under so much stress. I want to die. Stay here, my friends, my three friends, and pray while I go yonder and pray. Lord, he gets on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane meaning the, the press. That's where he's getting pressed. He says, Lord, if there be any other way, let me put it in our tongue today. I don't want to do this. And if there be any other way that he's going to get done, could there be any other way? Nevertheless, I submit to what you're asking me to do. You know how he was able to do that? This is what the Bible says. For the glory that was set before him, Christ died. What is the glory that was set before him? It was the vision of you sitting at the building Christian fellowship. He saw it. He saw you. And it made it worth that he could stand up there and go, I'm going to suffer I started this work. I'm not going to quit because I could see children. I see those that, that aren't in the church now. They're, they're, they're the lost sheep of Israel. They're the lost tribe. And, and I see them coming and I see them back in relationship with the Father. And I, and I see me and them and them and me. And I, I could see it. And, and I'm suffering now. I'm under so much pressure. I don't want to be up here longer, God. God, can, can we just end? Okay, I'll just stay. I'll stay. You'll give me the grace to endure it. I, I, I thank you, Lord. And he stayed until when it was over. The Bible said he hung his head. It is finished. The son finished the work of the father. Listen, you guys. Puedes tener una buena excusa para dejar, pero no tienes que usarlo. You may have a good excuse to quit, but you don't have to use it. There's a thousand reasons to quit, but you don't have to use it. Philippians 1 and 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. How many of us in here are Christians? That means we're Christ-like, which means we imitate Christ. And if Christ says, I started a good work and I am faithful and just to finish it, then we as being Christ-like, as Christians, as his children, we also should be 
that same kind of person to when we start, we finish. As I close, I'm saying this. There are people that are outside of these walls that are depending upon your yes and sticking with it. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm here to tell you, we need people in the children's department. We need people on the cleaning team. We need people on the uh, helping with the ushers. There are people, this, this building, this building big and beautiful is great, but these lights and this big screen and, and the, all this other stuff is just to get them in here so that they can hear about Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And when they get here, we can't just let them come to church and leave. They got to get connected. They can't just get connected with me and the pastors. They get connected to you. It's not about having a relationship with the pastor. I can't save you. It's about having a relationship with Jesus Christ through his body. The body is you. But how are they going to have a relationship if you quit? Finish what you started. Pastor, how do I get, how do I, I want to serve. How do I serve? Go to the app. How do I serve, Pastor? See one of the leaders. You see somebody else serving, ask them. I want to be a part of this. We got musicians sitting out here. I know it right now. People out here that have a desire to serve, not volunteer. Some of y'all out here can sing. Some of you have the anointed gift of cleaning. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. God wants your yes, but he also wants you to finish what you started. Amen? Stand to your feet. That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast, but we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today, or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.